difficult, difficult, women. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Hmm? That's the day this podcast comes out. It's not the day that we're recording right now, though. It could be, though, because I don't know what day it is. I I have no idea either. (laughs) It's the upside down world. Hello, I am Marie. I am Katie. And Look at us. This is the Difficult Women podcast. Welcome. Love it. Welcome. Hello. Happy Tuesday again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We did it. We um, made it to Tuesday. I hope. I know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I really, I felt like last week. So we've been having crazy storms here in uh, Nashville. I like know. for the last like several days. So it just has felt that. The world, the end is nigh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, now we know why people down in those churches down there are like, ah, the apocalypse. And you're like, well, yeah, we can work on it. You know, <laughs> it feels that way. Um, yeah. So I didn't have electricity for a couple of days because the storm knocked it out. I talked about it on our clubhouse hosting party on f- last Friday, folks. Thanks for Which joining. Was a huge success. Thanks for coming. You guys make it to the next one. We'll let you know when that's going to be. That's right. Um, if you don't know what Clubhouse is, it's a new app. It's still in beta. That's one thing that we kept. We were like, "Come to Clubhouse." It's like, no, you have to get an invite type of thing. But I have like a, some extras. I think you might have some. You're gonna yeah. acquire more. Also, I do know that I think if you don't have an Apple phone, an iPhone, then you may not be able to join Clubhouse yet. But like, this is we're also in beta, so it's yeah, okay. To- <laughs> By the time you can join us, we will have figured it out. So, but it was fun because we were able to just continue the conversation about last week's episode. So we'll be doing more clubhouses uh but i talked about this on the clubhouse party that i had to hide in the closet because i thought the a tornado was coming it was more like a tsunami type thing i don't know <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the technical terms of this new weather that i'm experiencing down here but then i didn't have electricity but then yesterday i came home and i had electricity and i was like oh my god this is so great and then boom it went out <laughs> as soon as i like celebrated in my brain um and then 10 Just minutes later because of more weather no, I don't know. It was like nice oh. and sunny when it went back out. I mean, they're just struggling to get it but back up. But then 10 minutes, I just manifested it. I was like, mm. Marie, calm down. It's just going to come back on. And then it did 10 minutes later, girl. Oh, good. Yeah, so That's I have electricity. Exciting. Then, But we had crazy storms all last night again. Ooh. So it was like flickering all night. So uh, I don't know I, what's happening. I but. don't know. I feel like we're getting the remnants of your storm where there has been like rain and whatever, but it's not like anything like what you're experiencing just like a lot of rain like normal in new york um but we also are getting some really nice days i think because of your storm lovely. so thank you you're welcome it was, like, it was like 70 degrees yesterday oh lovely um and nice that's nice so thanks yeah Th- thanks weather for us <laughs> but i'm so sorry you know i really don't like bad weather um i don't know if anyone does but i know um, when i, I mean, experienced that thing i was like katie this would have been your worst nightmare because oh, you've no, never I done can't. a tornado have you my family um, from South Dakota, there's tornadoes in South Dakota. They're not wet, I don't feel. Or maybe they are. I don't know. But um, so we would, in the summers, I feel like also the amount of tornadoes that happen in the Midwest, it's all like moved down south or something now. Mm-hmm. I feel like they don't have them. They're worse down south or something now than they, I don't know if that's true or not, but it feels like that. Um, but when I was a kid in the summers, yeah, there'd be tornado warnings all the time. And I would like mm-hmm. hide in my grandmother's basement for half the summer and they'd be like, "It's fine. You're, you'll be fine." And I was like, "Oh God, we're all gonna die!" And they might, everyone would be upstairs, totally normal. There was one that um, came 
with uh like right near my uncle's farm and my aunt had never seen a tornado so it was like happening and my uncle was like get in the house and she just kind of got like mesmerized by it and it was coming so they watched this whole thing happen where it was coming right for their house they could see it like right at their house and tornadoes jump for whatever reasons mm-hmm. and it jumped right over their house and went on to like the rest of the mm. it's not even a neighborhood because it was a farm but it was just like missed the house so I mean you know they, they happen <laughs> but I was like oh. Yeah. The the, what scares me more, not to make you more nervous, but um Oh good. <laughs> didn't wasn't there one in like downtown Nashville at once? Yeah, uh See, I lived that here. Yeah. Really and scares it, me. Yeah. It was like going through the skyscrapers and I remember my dad's car was really damaged by hail. The hail stuff is great. That's that's what happened first here. It was just like that's where you think like the apocalypse is happening because right. uh it was just like golf ball size hail falling from the sky. Um, anyway, I hope everybody yeah, was safe. Yeah, be safe. I know that, I mean, lots <laughs> of other, Alabama got hit real hard, and I mm-hmm. hope that, you know, our Alabama friends are okay. Yeah. Anyway, this um, is a weather podcast now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Talk about thanks for the tuning weather. in. It's 72 degrees and sunny. No. We're just practicing for when we leave our houses because, you know, no one will know what to talk about. So that will oh just be like the weather, Wait, huh? <laughs> I'm going to my first concert tonight. Oh, my God. I know. I've only had one one shot, but this is a completely social distance, very, very small indoor show where you have to wear your mask. Um, but it's yeah, at third. Hmm, oh, yes. Tell me. Third, third at Lindsley where we perform oh, I was in Nashville. Say, that's cool. Yeah. This really awesome music venue that I'm super. I'm just so excited to see music. I'm just so I'm, excited. I was thinking that the just like maybe even last night I was watching like some concerts online. I was like, I just want to see like any band play. It could be like a really bad band. It could be yeah. someone doesn't know how to play anything. And I'm like, I'll watch this. Yeah. For, you know. I just want somebody to shred a guitar in front of my eyes. You just know, do something. Like, that's it. Um, I will say just be aware not to be the the, the Grandma. COVID police, but like <laughs> mm-hmm. um, my mom texted me in the middle of the night and was like, just, so you know, I heard a doctor say that it might take four weeks to be fully vaccinated after your last shot and not two. So just yeah. be careful. Yeah. I mean, I haven't even gotten my second shot. I get yeah, that. Just this... pretend like you have nothing in your body. Right. That, right. Yeah. But I'm, I mean, I'm, tr- I'm trusting. Also, I just hope that they, it's tr- true that it's a socially distance. Like they're very, well, if it feels you know, unsafe, you just leave. Yeah. I'm bouncing. Yeah. That's uh, my mom advice. But they were like, the doors open at six. I'll be like, great. I'll be there at 601. And the show doesn't start till like nine, but I'm just going to be there like ready. <laughs> yeah. Just be in a space. That's oh, exciting. Yeah. I'm so excited. I feel I ate lunch outside the other day with a friend and I was like, oh, oh, like at a patio. Place. Yeah. Just like outside, like on a, you know, well, like on the, <laughs> to be honest, it was like, like on the street, you know how they do oh, yeah. that outdoor dining now. Um, and we had sort of like the last leftover table and it was really sloped down mm. and I was like don't order the soup because I just couldn't imagine anything um yeah, yeah the world is doing it we're doing it I think slowly but because you know everybody still be careful the numbers are going go up go out and lick things yeah. <laughs> yeah don't go out and lick everybody do it oh god <laughs> I'm hopeful it's great I'm pumped yeah no I'm hopeful too and I mean I think that people are and the weather is getting better oh my god yeah. I'm so excited, except for in Nashville, where it's yeah. getting Yeah, now it just means that there's going to be more storms and stuff. It's great. It's fine. It's fine. I do need a basement. That is the only problem I realized. <laughs> yeah. But it's fine. I'm going to, like, figure out who has the best storm cellar on my block and befriend them. That's the way to do it. That's, yeah. Once this thing is over, I'm going to befriend my neighbor who is in the backyard. <laughs> that's Ooh, yeah. That's yeah. 
Yeah. Like, hey. <laughs> my fire pit blew away. That was the one. Oh, <laughs> that was a little bit of a bummer. No. But, but I found else it. Got I did oh, find I was gonna it. Say, I, fa- somebody, I found it. But I was like, oh, shit. Fire pit. Yeah. This was like the one thing I wanted. Well, I guess you just gone. have to bring your fire pit in. When the weather gets better. Good point. Didn't even think about that. Yeah, you gotta bring that stuff in. Yeah. Huh. New, you know, learning the new, new me. <laughs> yeah, the new me bringing <laughs> things in. Bring, bring stuff in if it's gonna fly away. Yeah. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation about weather. Sorry, <laughs> everyone's <laughs> like, "What the fuck are they talking about?" We just, I don't know. Marie, Marie was just reliving her trauma. Um, and speaking of reliving your trauma, uh, that that sort of has something to do with our topic today. But before we get to it, let's buy some dildos. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up your bedroom is even better. Select almost any one item for 50% off, and then Adam and Eve loads on the free stuff. Enter offer code HORIO at checkout and get 10 tantalizing free gifts. A sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six free spicy movies. Ooh. Plus, free shipping. That's HORIO. W-H-O-R-E-O. HORIO at adamandeve.com. And we are back. And we won't talk anymore weather, I promise. Maybe. Oh, good. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. Mm. I don't know. We'll do, get wet. We do I don't what know. we want. Mm, We're artists. Right. We do what we want. That's right. And the and a big thing of doing what we want is that, like, you know, we were doing this women's history, you know, series, um, you know, a deep dive into ladies through history. And because last month, March was Women's History Month. But guess what? You know, Women's History Month should be every fucking month. Yeah. So we're just going to keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, we skipped one. So now we're filling that void because we that's right. Enough. OCD to like, oh, we got one. I got to get one more. In there. We got to get one more. <laughs> we, got, we said we do four and we have to do. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. this. So today we're actually going to be doing a deep dive into art herstory oh god mm, there you go look at that yeah mm-hmm. i hate when people say herstory mm-hmm. but i did i just did it <laughs> <laughs> i'm also not a big fan of um and maybe i'm gonna get canceled for this i don't like the whim- women with the y women mm. it's like it's fine it's just spelled that way it doesn't mean it just means it doesn't matter i just don't care there's a word man and woman i just don't care Oh, I you know see. what I mean? Yeah. You put a Y in there. To, anyway. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yes. So actually, I like am super amped about this uh, episode. I don't know if it's partly because like I just feel like I these these are the women that I think I relate to more than many women in history. Oh, really? And I didn't really realize it until we were I was like looking into these things. I think it's because even in like if you even if you go way back in history and you find an art a woman artist, mm-hmm. they're always like defying the traditional role, right? You know what I mean? It, writers like the the George Sands of the world mm-hmm. and like all that kind of thing. Uh, they're women that are like, nah, fuck this. I want to do what I want to do, and they kind of have to. Yeah, they're like they they march to the beat of their own drum. And I feel like if I was alive, in like. 1908 right mm-hmm. during the Matisse time and all that I I don't know that I'm a great painter but I would have been out there in France where's that mm-hmm. area you know yeah I'd have been like yeah Montmartre Montmartre yeah I would have been up there drinking absinthe with them like that's I'm oh, the yeah. same, I would just be the same person it would just mm-hmm. be 1908 mm-hmm. you know I'd definitely be a can-can girl I'd be dancing yeah. all up in the Moulin yeah. Rouge I'd be yeah doing you know all that I, mean? I just feel like that it just hit me today where I was like Oh yeah, my spirit would be the mm, same. 
Interesting. Yeah. So I was really feeling it with these ladies today. Well, they're so defiant in society. I mean, so I just wanted to tell this quick story. Um, Yeah. Last week we went to, there's this awesome Picasso exhibit downtown here in Nashville at the Frist Museum. And I went with my parents and it's very nicely socially distanced and all that sort of stuff. Um, But we went and like, we, you know, we go through Picasso and Picasso like has some, you know, if he was alive today, he'd probably be canceled because he's had oh, some uh, yes. questionable. He's almost lucky he's dead because <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, but it was fascinating. I mean, my mom. So my mom was an art teacher for thirty years. She's a, a wonderful artist, and she does all types of mediums. Like yesterday, I was there because of the electricity thing. I stayed at my parents. Very lucky, very privileged. Uh, and she's like tie dyeing pillowcases. Like that's oh, my mother. She's always just so doing cool. some sort of arts and crafts and stuff. And it was funny because like we, you know, we we're at the Picasso Museum. We're going through Picasso. My mom's kind of joking about how. Like if he was alive today, he'd be canceled. Then we went upstairs to the American West exhibit. Um, all men painters too. All, so like mm. we just went through the whole museum. It's like all male painters, all of them. And then we got to the one female painter in the American West exhibit. And my mother very loudly, finally, finally, a woman. <laughs> I love your mom. <laughs> and they're members of the museum. My mom volunteers there a lot. So like, I'm sh- I don't know if she knew people that hurt sure, her or gives yeah. a fuck. But like it that really it, it, next time you go to a museum, just peruse the art through history and how very few I think the statistic is it's one in 10. No, that sounds way too high. It's just very few. I mean, 10% is not that much. But I think it's even less than that. Mm, I see. That's why. Well, I know. I know definitely. And that's the thing, too, about like I have like feelings about art in terms of like art curation. I don't mm-hmm. have so many feelings about artists necessarily, although it depends on the artist. But there's this mo- there's this movie that's out right now about um, it's a little boring. I don't necessarily <laughs> recommend it, but it's about like fake art, like fake paintings, like Rothko paintings that people have been forging and they were making it into like these really big time art. museums Mm -hmm. and also people were buying them and so people buy this shit for like millions of Mm -hmm. dollars and like just the whole it's like what is that part of the art world that's not what we're talking about today but that's just an interesting thing to me it's like this Rothko goes for like 10 million dollars and I'm like and then people are and it's about how like it's so it's not even about the art in the end of the day it becomes about like oh this is something that's like hard to get your hands on so as a rich powerful person I want to have something other people Mm -hmm. can't have Mm-hmm. But is that the point of art? Like, no. So leave it to like, like rich people to like find a way to make money off of something that's not even supposed to be like that. But anyway, well, I do and want the to artist, say- and the artist doesn't get the money. By the way, the artist is dead. Right. So it's right. not like you're Very paying the artist. And when the artist sold the painting originally, they'd be selling them for. At, and even when they were famous, at best, they're selling them for like oh ten thousand dollars or something. Mm-hmm. And then like you make up, you know, right. So well, anyway. in the art in the in the art uh, auction world, I just thought it was interesting. Like I think the last decade, uh, they made a hundred and ninety six point six billion dollars from auctioning off art, and four billion of that were women artists, and so that's two percent of all the art that has been auctioned off in the last mm-hmm. ten years, and. That $4 billion is actually only five female artists. That's, yeah. That's it, that is insane. Right. What is also, that Who's about? getting that money, by the way? <laughs> that's just the other right. question I keep asking. I mean, it's like, it's who's so even getting money. that money? It's so much money. But that's, so, that's 
but the art world is so skewed. And the Me Too movement really did like highlight a lot of that. Um, Because, I mean, a lot of women do work in galleries and museums and stuff. But, like, I think that the gatekeepers, and uh, as we're learning, is, like, a lot of gatekeepers are, like, white old men. So, same. Right. And I think that that's the thing that's so interesting about, like, art curation is that it's only within the eye of the beholder. You know, art is Mm -hmm. in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. So, it's, like, what is the value of art? Well, it's only in the... Uh, you know as valuable as this guy says it it is right (laughs) you know what a weird random standard right um but like okay so to get into some people that we that were like so inspiring to us Mm -hmm. um we were going to start with Frida Kahlo how does that sound yeah so Frida Kahlo is probably one of the most famous female artists Mm -hmm. so people may already know a lot about her I don't know I didn't know I knew a little bit about her um there's a movie, Salma Hayek. Didn't see it. But yeah. Did you see that movie? No. There's no, a lot of documentaries also. Good. Didn't see it. Uh, <laughs> Didn't watch them. Don't know. Don't know. Uh, We're not experts, I'm going to no, say. just uh, Googlers. We just like to Google. <laughs> just um, Google. But also, I mean, she's just definitely been in the background of all of, you know, art history that, you know, because there's still, uh, not that many ladies. So you're like. Who's great? Yeah. Frida. Yeah. Well, and the reason why we even started talking about this today or we decided to talk about it was because Marie's mom posted something on Facebook about how in 1930s uh, there was an article about Frida Kahlo that was an interview or some little article blurb about her in the newspaper. And they referred to her um, not as artist Frida Kahlo. They were like, this little lady is uh, Diego Rivera's wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's just sort of like that, you know, some things never change, really. But um, it was sort of like, fuck that, because we know, I mean, Frida Kahlo has arguably fully surpassed Diego Rivera in popularity now, at least. Oh, you know, yeah. Right. By a long shot. At the time, I don't know. But um, but just to talk a little bit about like her background, she had polio. Mm-hmm. as a child uh so struggled with that was like bullied not you know didn't had a wonderful family it sounds like but mm-hmm. just had a hard time making friends um mm-hmm. but because of some of her ailment illnesses illness illness ailments, ailments? god what is happening to me right now? <laughs> having a stroke uh live live on the pod um <laughs> speaking of stroke she wanted to become a doctor mm. because of all the treatment that she got so she went to this like special school to train young people to be super smart and doctors and all that and it was in mexico she was there was something like 53 women or girls in the program mm-hmm. and then there was like 1600 boys yeah a lot so of men. she already was in this situation where you're already like building yourself up to be a strong independent woman which i think is cool um while she was at school she was super involved I, there had been a revolution in mexico in uh, 1910 mm-hmm. uh and she was just very moved by that and the politics of Mexico and, you know, national pride of Mexico and all that. So she had a little group of young people that were sort of fighting for communism and things like that. Um, but she like kind of led one of the groups. She was just a strong kind of leader type woman and young woman. <clears throat> and at some point uh, they were she got, was on a tram or a bus or something and the bus got in an accident, maybe mm. with the tram. She was on a bus she- and a trolley hit him. That's, oh God, it's so awful. So many broken bones. I mean, she broke like all the bones. Like her she leg. She had like a pole like go through her abdomen or something. Like, <sighs> this, it like, was bad. Not They good. thought she was going to die for sure. They definitely thought she was going to die. She and did never it. walk again. Like, right. die, de- like never. Yeah. She was in a coma, unconscious or something for Yeah, for weeks. like weeks. Yeah. 
Um, but during that time when she did wake up, because she was a strong soul, uh, she was like, Dad, could you could you bring me some art supplies? So this is sort of like the beginning of her painting life. And I think she was probably liked to draw and stuff when she was younger. But he was like, of course. And he made her this easel that she could like, now you can buy them on like Amazon, but it was like one of those like those like bed like he made it so that she could lay in bed and try to recover. And, and there was like paint. a mirror involved, and, and like he put a mirror like of the on mirror, the... and then you paint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Paint yeah, line so, down. <laughs> I mean, that makes it even harder. I know. I can't so even many... pa- stand up. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point of all these stories, and then shortly after that, she um, met Diego Rivera, and then they got married. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the point of all those stories, like, why do you mention, like, that she got an accent and stuff? It's because, like, she had to overcome so much physical pain, really, mm-hmm. and so many, like, trials and tribulations, and with the polio and stuff. Um, and she c- overcomes all these problems and still becomes this, like, extremely well, well-known well painter. Her style... Um, they were saying it was sort of like a, a surrealist. Yeah, surrealist. But even her surrealism, it's like different than traditional surrealism. She was kind of, again, da- dancing by the beat of her own drum and not just following along with like what the other surrealists were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of her paintings, as we know, were like self-portrait type paintings mm-hmm. uh, where she really expressed how she was feeling. That was like how she expressed how she was feeling about certain things. And she had a lot of feelings because, I mean, on the one hand, the pain mm-hmm. is something that she wanted to express in her art. And then also just like Diego Rivera. Talk about cancel culture. I mean, <laughs> I know. I know. Well, so she said. So, yeah, she does paint a lot of herself, you know, self portraits and stuff. And. I read that she said that because she was the only subject around was herself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so she was alone a lot, laying in the hospitals alone, you know, fearing for her life, all that sort of stuff. And so she would just paint herself. And I think the most one of the most like magical things about her art is um, how she really was able to capture her pain as a female. And um, mm-hmm. because of all because of her disabilities and the accidents and all that sort of stuff, she wasn't able to have any children and she suffered from multiple miscarriages and just like how your body fails you. I just can't imagine what that must feel like, but then also then to, you know, outwardly be able to represent your inner emotions. I mean, there's that one painting where she's laying in bed and it's like umbilical cords, like, attached to like a, a you know a snail and a a, a broken heart and a, it's just like it's all it's everything in her trying to be be expressed outwardly and just how many people can how many women can relate to a painting like that i mean that's that's a painting about miscarriages and that paint that was made in yeah. like 1940 or 30 yeah, or something right Right, so I think Which that, would be that was so like what? <laughs> well, and I think that that's what's that painting in particular speaks to me, and not that I've have had to have a miscarriage, but just that I know that this is a this is a subject that people do not talk about, mm-hmm. and that women have been suffering with the pain of miscarriage for this long, and she was like, "Fuck that! I want to I'm I want to express my feelings about this thing," mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. she did. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think especially I think maybe maybe because it is in the form of art and not just like someone just talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's a little bit more accepted that way. But th- but those images, 
they can be so helpful to other people, like you're mm-hmm. saying. Mm-hmm. And that painting we're talking about is Henry Ford Hospital. That's what it's called. And it was painted in 1932. So just look it up. I think it's it's really a beautiful, very emotional, I think. like That's why I just love art so much, um, just how it can hit you any given day. It can be different the next day. It's just from your experiences, your own personal experiences, um, you get to, you know, it hits you in different. And I, I love how it's like it's cathartic for the artist, but right? Then it can but then it can be cathartic cathart- for yeah. the viewer too, which is like what a gift. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I also love just you know I I haven't traveled a crazy amount out of the U.S., but go, finally going to Europe and going to Paris and like going to museums and seeing art that I've learned about forever, or maybe had seen in Washington and then now it was in Paris or something. I love going and and visiting old friends. That's how I feel a lot about certain paintings that I've seen and have had the privilege to see throughout my life. And I just then to experience where you are in your life at that point and viewing the same art that you might have Mm -hmm. viewed several years ago or something like a painting uh, I saw in high school. I'll never forget going to the National Gallery in D.C. and seeing the sunflower Monet painting and then again seeing it in Europe is just like how much I've grown as a human being in those 20 years just really cool I love I'm not an artist I cannot paint but uh, I have such a deep respect for it especially these women that were breaking the mold and and boundaries of it so yeah well that kind of brings us to another artist who's extremely famous and a woman mm-hmm. <laughs> who's a woman and famous and she's an american artist georgia o'keefe mm-hmm. oh one last thing i just wanted to say about um uh frida kahlo is that she was like born in like 1908 or something mm-hmm. but she changed her birthday to 1910 and people were like why because she wanted to seem like two years younger or whatever and it's like no because she wanted to be a her life to be affiliated with the um mexican revolution because that I was just it. a really big part of like who what she wanted to express she expressed a lot of like um sort of native Mexican cultures within her art too. That was part of it. One of the reasons she was with Diego Rivera to begin with was because they both had strong feelings about um, Mexican nationalism and also mm-hmm. um, communism and trying to spread those things. But I think that like, to me, that's important just too that like, whether or not you agree with those political views, she strongly felt something political yeah. and wanted to express that. And I just like liked that. Yeah, she said that she was a child of the revolution. Yeah. So, and I mean, she, and it's funny that she was like, man, I wish I was born the year it started. So let me just change jobs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> love but, it. Great. Like, yes, love it. Yeah. People um, are like, did she want to be younger? It's like, no, bitch. She wanted to no, be part of this it. revolution. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she wanted to be like, tied to it. <laughs> uh, amazing. Um, oh, so the next lady we'd like to talk about is Georgia O'Keefe. Mm-hmm. Um, born, I don't remember where she was born. Wisconsin. <laughs> She's born in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Late 1800s, I believe. I don't know. I can't. I didn't write down the You know exact what was date. crazy to me about, the, you know, sometimes it's like dates, right? Where you're like, you know these names. You've seen the paintings. Mm-hmm. I think if you'd asked me, I would have said she was born in like 1920. Like, I don't yeah, know. Right. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, in the 19, no, sorry, 1886 or something. Mm-hmm. I should double check that. <laughs> check your sources. Uh, 1887, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, born November 15th, 1887, the second of seven children. She grew up on a farm near Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. And one thing that I relate to with Georgia O'Keeffe is that she um, she grew up kind of like 
in the middle of nowhere. Not that I did, but um, <laughs> she liked, is, you know, yeah, just, you know, <laughs> middle of nowhere. But she really liked her solitude. Mm. That was a really important part of her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it probably developed when she was alone on a farm at some point. For me, it was just being home alone as a child, <laughs> as an only child. <laughs> it's great. I love it, though. I love being alone. Anyway, um, <laughs> she had sort of a more like, from what I could d- decipher, a more traditional like artist um, trajectory. But I kept just thinking, like, within the context of the time, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that this was a normal path for a woman to take. Maybe I'm wrong, but so imagine you're born in 1887 in Wisconsin on a farm. Her family mm-hmm. then moved to um, Williamsburg, Virginia, which is a little bit of a bigger town. So at least she was, I guess, a little bit more into the hustle and bustle of life. <laughs> and then she decided to go to art school in, in New York. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a big move. I don't know. I mean, yeah, from a farm in Wisconsin and then to, yeah. you know, dream big, yeah. girl. Yeah. But the the issue that she had at art school was that it was a very traditional art school. Uh, they taught very traditional style of art, which is like, hey, copy these old famous people. And that's old what men. Teach uh, you. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she was like, this is fine, but I feel kind of limited by this. And uh, now we're getting it. This is why I was thinking about like 1908 and like whatever the Matisse time is. Uh, that was when she was starting to really ramp up on her work, her art and like learning about art and stuff. And she found herself drawn to like um, Japanese style paintings and mm-hmm. things that were not so um <laughs> realistic you know what i mean like not such just like oh copy this fruit in a basket you right. know she studied with this uh another artist uh who then kind of broke her gave not broke her but gave her more opportunities to him <laughs> broke her no. he broke her <laughs> i mean our acting teachers tried to break us in freaking i mean college, it happens so stupid, our, but yes. yeah yeah that happens in the art yeah. world um no but he was that was not what happened to george o'keefe that's that's the fake news um He was just teaching more uh, like modern styles and, you know, sort of saying you don't have to paint a flower exactly the way a flower is painted. And so she learned a lot from that. She has these like amazing charcoal paint like drawings, charcoalings. I don't even know what you call them that she did. Um, And she was like going back and forth. She was studying with this guy. Then she was like teaching in Texas, which again, also like a woman teaching in art in Texas in like 1908. I don't know. I just in a university like that feels like. Big moves, you know, like, I mean, yeah, seems, women aren't like a big they deal. don't have many yeah. rights or anything like that. No, and they're only they're they're really just supposed to make babies at this point. <laughs> yeah. So I was like already just impressed with the fact that she like went and taught at a university. But that's before she was even like Georgia O'Keeffe, right? Like where mm-hmm. she wasn't well known yet. Um, but her friend, uh, at, oh, I think she decided to go back to school. She went to Columbia, actually, for um, art. Uh, back into New York City and had like a friend that was like, hey, let me look at your charcoals that you did. And she was like, okay, they're okay or whatever. And he was like, they're amazing. I'm sending him to this art gallery. She sent him to the art gallery and the guy was like enthralled by them, put up a whole show for her. Uh, Then she became famous because they were so amazing and they're legit so cool looking. I'm like really, look it up. Google Google it, do what I do. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) And then she married the guy who ran the art show. What a happy, yeah, Alfred. 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 I can't say his last name. Yeah, Alfred. Okay. (laughs) Um, One thing I liked, though, about what they talked about her um, relationship with him was they said something like, her her taste for solitude never like dissipated even after Uh-oh. her marriage. So she liked to kind of like be on her own, but then she found someone that worked. You know, it must have worked. Yeah, power couple. 
Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag relationship goals. I love it. But then, um, yeah, yes. continue on. I mean, I don't know much about her, so. Well, I didn't know anything about her. So part of the thing is, so he, both, I guess I would say both Frida Kahlo and Georgia O'Keefe were people that had some fame during their lifetime, which was kind of unusual for artists. You know, like Van Gogh is a great example of that, where he was like in a mental institution and was like painting to for therapy. And then it wasn't until after his death that people were like, these are pretty good. We should sell them to other people. Right. <laughs> which is like crazy. But um, that's how he like became famous. Uh, but so Georgia O'Keeffe, she got praised in like the 1918 or whatever. I mean, the dates on these blow my mind. Um, but she started to become like a famous American painter who was the mother of American modernism and um, again was like doing some of these you know Picasso was a modernist right the same time period and that like cubism and that kind of thing that was sort of what was popular at the time and she was like I'm gonna do my own thing so like the amount of influence that that has on the future artists it, it can't be overstated really uh, so these female artists are very important they're not just like and then there was this lady it was like these people like and and uh, Frida Kahlo too like they, the influence that they've had on future artists is enormous so I'm just saying that um but she uh she was like kind of famous but notoriously private so there's it feels like there's not a lot of like dirt on her or like you know crazy stories about her um but she got really into she went at some point in her life she ended up in New Mexico and ended up living in New Mexico and staying there and was just really inspired by nature and what like nature, uh, what you could like express emotionally th about nature through art and, you know, what what nature expresses to you. And so here's the big reveal with her. I couldn't find a lot about this, but one thing, one like biography on her, they were like those paintings of the flowers they, you know how we think like, oh, they're like vaginas. They represent vaginas. That's not, that's not her intention at all. And it was that because at the time, which was like the eight, you know, early 19, you know, 18s or whatever, men, these fucking men were so obsessed with Freud and Freud was so obsessed with dicks and vaginas that they decided that they were about vaginas and she was like they're not vaginas they're just like nature flowers could you imagine working so hard at a painting and then having just men just being like that's a vagina mansplaining it's like like yeah what original mansplaining right <laughs> it's so <laughs> annoying that is like the most annoying thing and i had no idea right yeah my mom actually taught me that uh, a long time ago because i was like we're gonna go see vagina paintings and she was like no that was not her interpretation it was the the men of the time that said that it was vaginas, but it's not that that's not what she was painting. Mind blown for mm -hmm. real, though. And how fucking frustrating is it Ugh. that she lived to be like 90 something. Right. And like she had lots of time to tell people they're not vaginas. <laughs> and that like we nobody was listening. Everyone's like, no, you're vagina painting. She's like, they're not vaginas. <laughs> Could you imagine? I mean, you guys. <laughs> well, at least. At least they look at the flowers and they're like, that's a vagina. And it's not like looking at one of her skull paintings. And right. It's like, they, that's yeah. a vagina. <laughs> right, right. Just cold and hard and <laughs> painful. Oh. But, but yeah, do you think that it like the interpretation of her paintings like put maybe put her e even more inward with her sure, art and stuff? For sure. Because of that male gaze. For Ugh. sure. 
and I think, um, you know, this idea that like she, you know, maybe at least separated her from like the art world because she did continue to paint for her whole life, mm-hmm. which I think is also mm-hmm. cool and badass of her. Um, uh, the other thing, though, about her, too, is that like so those those flower paintings, the whole point for her, it wasn't just like, oh, they're just flowers. It was for her. It was a way to express um, emotions through uh, through nature. She was very into like, maybe they would even, I don't know enough about art history, but like, isn't naturalist also like a Mm -hmm. a style of art? So, I mean, maybe she would also be considered like, she's, you know, American modernism, but also naturalism. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Wasn't there also Mm -hmm. like a movement of like nationalism around this time in painting where they would, where you'd be like, look at the beauty of America. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, maybe she's also part of that movement. I don't really know. I think that that's why, I mean, she, when she was in New Mexico painting, like the canyons and the mountains and the clay earth and stuff. Um, she was celebrated in that, like, maybe it was around, like, nationalism time. Yeah, it feels like, like capturing right. America. Right. Again, why wasn't she included in the American West exhibit at the Frist Museum? It would have just been one other woman that you could have included. Good God. Uh, and, like, and she painted a lot of American West. So, like, I don't understand. Anyway, Yeah, there's a lot. She's quite prolific, it seems. So it's not like right. it'd be hard to find yeah anybody know of a (laughs) yeah so annoying female yeah so annoying um and speaking of which like these people these women there's they're they're not just like oh let's just get some token women artists the art that they made is like extremely um uh like what is the word like really influential to in Mm -hmm. future art uh Mm -hmm. and there was um this is sort of like a side thought but though there there is this like skull painting thing where she finds and i guess the idea was that like she would be very particular about like how you know she'd be observing nature around her and she'd be very detail oriented and she'd find things that were sort of overlooked and then make those the sort of focus of her paintings so she had a series where they had these like cow skulls like we were talking about um and she sort of centers them in the painting and they're really beautifully done um and i was thinking about i don't know if this is true but i was thinking about how like it isn't could it not be possible that like urban outfitters was influenced by those paintings you know what i mean because it's become such like a pop culture thing to have like a skull on your wall and it's like a decorative thing now but was that the case in 19 19- 20 or whenever that thing was made um so i mean like even just those kinds of influences i'm just gonna go on a limb and say like that somebody later on in time was like oh this is a cool painting and like let's just find a skull and put it in your living room you know what i mean and like (laughs) right you know um so that stuff these you know these these people influence us in our lives in a way that i don't think we fully appreciate right Thank you, Urban Outfitters. Yeah, thank you. It's definitely let's give let's, the credit you know, to Urban Outfitters for sure. Let's give it all give it all up to Urban Outfitters yeah. here. <laughs> Georgia who? God. Yeah, oh my god. That's so funny. Um Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, she's she's a badass lady. Oh, also she um she started to lose her eyesight in her seventies, which is like the worst thing that could happen to an artist. Um, but it didn't stop her from painting. Wow. She got like a team of people to help her. She's like, the art is in my mind. I know what I want to make. And she got some young younger folks to pull out their paintbrushes. And she's like, the red's <laughs> over here. Put the green there. <laughs> I mean, that's how I imagine it went. The truth is, that how would she be able to see what it was she made? I don't know. But wow, I know. I'd trick her. I'd be like, ha, ha, ha. She said red, but like, I'm doing blue. You'd be drawing like uh-huh. Santas or something. And she's like, yeah. yeah, Santa Fe. And you're like, oh, I thought you said Santa Claus. <laughs> and I would be like, oh, God, I don't know. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. 
All right. Well, we have one last woman uh, artist to discuss today. Her name is Marina Abramovic. Yes, Marina Abramovic. If you don't know, Serbian. Ser- She's yes. Serbian. Woo. Okay. Let's get into her. Yes. So if you have, uh, if you don't know that name, if that doesn't sound familiar to you, uh, she is like the premier performance artist. And recently has been having shows and things. And she's had shows the whole time. She's been doing this for a long time. But she had that show that was in the MoMA where uh, she sat in a chair for like days. I don't even know how many hours and hours and hours. The the f- install installation or whatever was days long. People came, they'd line up and then they could sit across from her silently and like stare into her eyes. And that was the piece. And didn't you see it? Well, I guess I walked by it uh, and I didn't sit in the chair. That seemed very like there was a huge line to sit in the chair and actually look into her eyes. But that just seemed so like I was legitly scared to do that. I like, so I, just I really wanted to go to by. this. Yeah, I really wanted to go to this installation, but I was scared to go. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. was like it feels like a lot. Well, it was really interesting. I mean, like James Franco went, made it, yeah, you know, all these celebrities yeah, were going yeah, yeah. and doing it and having these experiences. Yeah, yeah. But what she said about that um, uh, performance art is that like when she, when she learned when she, I mean, people would, these strangers would sit down across from her and, you know, people would laugh, they would cry. There was one woman that took off her clothes and was escorted out by security. I mean, like, every, and just simply by her sitting there. She actually, she also had a chamber pot that, like, she could just pee and not have to get up. That's amazing. She'd go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. That, we need so, those for our cars when we're on tour. Just, like, I know. Right in the seat. Um, but she said that the people were, you know, they would always turn inwardly. Right. Right. And deal with deal with their inner emotions. So this is it. like what I'm kind of so I've I yeah I I have had many thoughts about like performance art and all that stuff and like have opinions about like what is this why are we doing this what are we looking I mean at? raise your hand if you've seen bad performance oh art. my god I mean yeah that's like that's <laughs> like really, oh god so bad yeah so bad have you seen bad uh, performance art <laughs> well in like college speaking from experience right. I will never forget this. In college, we I was in my lighting design class. I love that class. Uh, and for our final project, we had to do um, a concert or, you know, a performance with lighting. And this one girl, I'll never forget, she was like a performance artist at, at Appalachian State. And so she, she came out, stripped herself down naked. Um, she was in these like bright yellow gels. So like it wasn't a very like flattering color on her skin, but then stripped down naked and then smeared mustard and mayonnaise and ketchup all over her and then said, I am a hot dog. <laughs> That's amazing. And this was, but so, was she kidding or was this real? No, she was serious. Very serious. Oh, what, a cho- serious. what a choice. What a choice. What a choice. I know. I will. So when I think of performance art, I always think I am a hot dog. Well, you know, and I think a lot of people do. You know what I mean? I think yeah. that when you think of like performance art, it's like, what what is this about? Is this some self-serving <laughs> like whatever? And I've had those thoughts. I'm like, I don't really know. But I got to tell you, the more I learn about Marina Abramovic, the more I love her and respect what she does and like feel very connected to her in this crazy way. Really? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So not this there- part of the story, because I was going to say, you see, she was born in, uh, <laughs> in just a couple years. Yeah, away just from right, in Belgrave after the war, just like me. 
just like me. I really no. This part of the story I don't relate to, but she was born in what's now or what at the time was Yugoslavia uh, in like 1945 or something. Uh, her parents were not good parents. Uh, and it oh. really informed who she was and what she did with her life. And um, her parents fought a lot with each other. And then also her mother was like very abusive and like very controlling. She said her mother never kissed her, or told her she loved her. And that like lack of love and support and parental support really like formulated who she was. And I think that mm. like the controlling aspect of her mother also made her rebel a lot. So she didn't want to be told what to do and how to do things. And so she was like out in the world, like trying out different stuff, right? And trying to express herself in different ways because she wasn't like allowed to express herself at home in a normal way, you know, mm -hmm. her feelings and all that. Um, and a lot of her early work was uh, people accused her of being a masochist. Because she would do a lot of like, um, there was this one piece where her hand is out on the ground and then she's just like stabbing around her fingers. Ah. But like she misses a bunch. So like, there, you know, there's blood everywhere and like her hand is like, you know. So people are like looking at this going like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? And it was just her way to express pain. Mm. You know? Well, she had another exhibit where she was laying down and then had like 67 different items mm, around. This one is Including fun. a pistol that's fully loaded. And she said that she was ready to die. And so like people could come up and use these things on her body. Her body is the art and the product, the media. Right. Medium, so that the, the media. Right. And just to clarify, like the, the event was that she just stood there in like a regular mm. outfit, just unmoving, non-emotional. And she invited the um, the observers, the the you know, patrons mm -hmm. or whatever, to take what any object from the table and do with it as they would to her body. And there's this really great interview where she talks about like her her experience of this happening, right? And mm -hmm. she said it was interesting because at the beginning of the, I think it was like six hours that she stood there. The beginning of mm -hmm. the six hours. Um, the first people kind of felt timid and unsure of what to do and like whatever. And they were very like kind and gentle at first. So she remembers one of the first things is someone came and then handed her a rose that was on the table. And it was like, mm -hmm. oh, how lovely, like whatever. She's like, but then as people got more bold, it started becoming like people would take like the knife and start cutting into her skin. And so she's like ah! bleeding. Um, then somebody, you know, moved to the next level where they, they cut open her shirt. So now she's like topless. And then the next person takes a knife and they start cutting into like her breasts and her chest. And they're like mutilating her. And this is at a time where she was already kind of starting to be known and people didn't like what she did. They were like, what is this shit you're doing? And so she was finding that. So she's just standing there kind of emotionless. Um, there are people are the es the violence against her body is escalating, escalating. And then, um, you know, they were like, OK, the six hours is up. So then she breaks out of her like stoicism. And she said the first thing that happened was it jarred the audience so much mm. to see her like humanized all of a sudden that mm. they ran away. They could not stand to like look at what they had done to her, because then when she kind of came back to life, she had tears in her eyes. She was covered in blood. Aww. She was like, top, you know, take her clothes have been taken off. She's having a real feelings about this experience, too, you know. Um, and she said she went back to the hotel and was like, 
you know, it's amazing like what people will do to you when they hate you, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if they want to, and especially if they um, dehumanize you. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a lesson in what, what, pe- what humans are willing to do to each other. And she said, you know, it's easy to make art for people that like you, mm-hmm. but it's much more fulfilling to make art for people that don't. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, that's nuts. So, and, and that's where like performance art, so it's not that like it is just her own body, but it's it's all the internal stuff that's coming out. It's it's her body, like well, how, exactly yeah. like that that the the observe the audience what they put onto you. She's like a blank camera, right? She's projecting, right? Right. It's all this, and it, and that art that piece becomes what you make of it, what the audience makes of it. Right. The whole six hours could have been people telling her how wonderful she was and drawing mm-hmm. hearts on her and handing her flowers, but it, that's not what it was. What does that say about humans? Exactly. So that so then like touching back onto that um, that one that they did at the MoMA where it's like, uh, you know, people just sitting and observing or like connecting with her like through her eyes. One thing that's so cool about her when you start to like listen to her talk, like she'll be with an interviewer. There was this one interview I saw where she's like holding the guy's hand and she's like, people in America don't hold each other's hand enough. She's like, I like to just hold people's hand. And he was like, okay. So he's just sort of like letting her hold his hand. And um, she uh, she says something like, you know, the um, the like m- Buddhist monks, they like to hold people's hands so they can feel their energy and get like a reading on them. And he's like, is that what you're doing to me? And she's like, yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> and she just, started, and then she'll like, w- it'll be like walking around outside talking and then she'll be like, lay down, lay down right here. Like feel, feel the earth, like feel the energy of the earth. But it's really mm. like, it's not like fakey, like, oh, let me try to be special. It's like really coming mm. from a real place. You can tell she's just like, it's like her life is a piece of art. Like her life's work mm. is to connect as fully as she can to like the earth and humanity and the energy around us. And like that's sort of what seems to be motivating her in these movements, you know? I think it started as like expressing and trying to like a desperation to connect with people because she didn't have a connection as a child that is now morphed mm. into like this like wisdom that is yeah. really cool. Well, another incredible performance artist, uh, not a woman, David Copperfield. <laughs> oh, God, I love David Copperfield. <laughs> <laughs> I do, too. But it reminds me very much that, like, it's a deep state of meditation, I would assume. Right, because she it does go through a lot of pain. Like, a lot mm-hmm. of her work is about pain. Mm-hmm. Physical yeah, pain, emotional pain. Well, you do know she's been in the news a lot because, like, the alt-right people think she's in a cult and a Satanist. Of course they do. But you know why they think yeah. that? Because she painted something with blood. Well, but they think that because <laughs> Which she's, is, I mean, but it's but like yes. they also just are so terrified. That same group, people talk about this in the yes. pod all the time. They're yes. so terrified of like truth and profound mm. truth, right? Like the truth Raw. of who we yeah. are. Because mm-hmm. those all right guys, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they'd be the same guys at that, you know, at that exhibition that cut her skin, cut her, you know, because mm-hmm. you have to she makes people look at themselves mm-hmm. in a way that makes people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think it's when, amazing. Even just walking by her at the MoMA, it made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Like just the thought of sitting down and being but you're on display you're the exit you're the exhibit all of a right. sudden which is just but it's also kind of what you make of it right so i think that like some yeah. people go like i don't know like the woman that took her clothes off i can't tell you what her motivation was but 
to me, it kind of rings false, like, oh, look, I'm going to do something now, too. And it's like, okay, mm. okay, you make it about you. And she, I think that uh, Marina would say, great, that's what happened. So that's right. That fine. was your. There's no, mm-hmm. you don't have to judge her for it. It's just what happened. Also, people that like laugh or they cry, it's like they're just having like, a, that's what human connection is. Have you ever been in an acting mm-hmm. class where you have to stare at people in the eye, which is like a thing that you have to do in acting all mm-hmm. the time? Um, I remember being so uncomfortable the first time I had to do that when I was like in mm-hmm. high school. But then once you let the discomfort leave you, it is one of the most like powerful things to do. And we do not. That was the other thing. Is we she kind of also illuminates stuff that we do not look at in our day to day life mm. and that we've lost connection with other people. And she's trying to bring people back to that connection. We've lost connection from the earth. She's trying to bring you back to that connection from the earth. And that's threatening because when you look mm-hmm. at like, oh, like, hey, pay more attention to the earth, we realize like, oh, we're we're actively killing it. And that's mm-hmm. hard for us to look at. Right. When you are saying racist slurs at people and then she says, look into their eye for a moment, you realize, oh, I've been dehumanizing someone and that's hard for you to look mm-hmm. at. So her work, I think, is like way more important than we even fully <laughs> realize when right. we think of like and where does she live now she is alive i mean she i don't know she's i think she's bouncing around like the she's world like, yeah i'm sure she's got some like you know main spot here's another thing that's interesting she's trying to build a um a performance art like space specific mm. specifically devoted to performance art to kind of keep it alive as a concept and um one of the things that she's done uh after that one in the moma where she was in it she re- had a revived or whatever an old piece that she had had in like the 70s where and I, re- I, re- I remember talking to you about this because we were like oh i don't know about this but the idea is that there's two a naked woman and a naked man standing in the doorway of the mm-hmm. exhibit and to come into the exhibit you have to like it's they're very close together so you have to like squeeze yourself in between these two naked individuals to get oh. to the the work and Mm -hmm. in the past i mean when she did this originally she did it with her like lover at the time and Mm -hmm. it was she was that part of the exhibit she's like now i'm old nobody wants to rub up against me she's like so we we'd got they got two young artists that they then were the naked people and she's like part of the point of this is to show that like you can keep performance art pieces alive by revisiting them and it doesn't have to be the original artist that does them it can because st- that's where it's almost like theater right where you can like mm-hmm. re- have a revival of this thing but that piece in particular I remember talking to you about I don't know if you remember talking about this but um I remember being so having so many issues mentally about like how it feels like it's so violating to the mm-hmm. to the you know how how easy it is to then be violated in that position how like vulnerable you are and I had like mixed feelings about that especially as the you know for the woman in that situation And what I realized like today when I was thinking more about it is that that is part of her whole thing, though, which is that we as a society have laws. We as a society have ideas of what's good and what's bad, what's okay and what's not okay. She's more interested in as a human being. What are you doing or not doing? Not because it's a law, but because it's the right or wrong thing to do. And what is the right or wrong Mm. thing to do? And how Mm. do you interact with your fellow human? Mm. You know? So like in that exhibit, in theory, if some guy like gropes the artist, someone could press charges, right? She's not interested in that. She's interested in the fact that, and that man chose to grope the the artist or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. Which I think is like another level of like we always think in terms of like, well, that's illegal or that's like uh, that's harassment or whatever. But it's like this is more important about I don't know. Does that make any sense what I'm saying? It's like it's a little bit deeper than just like right or wrong or you're, it's right or wrong because we say it is. It's more like what is your human reaction to this situation? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a little bit what we were talking about on our clubhouse thing that I brought up is like the bloodthirst of humans and Mm -hmm. how like we're obsessed with like true crime and, you know, understanding these like mass murderers rather than like focusing on the understanding of them, the killers rather than like the victims and stuff. And like what is inherent in humans Mm -hmm. and it she pushes those boundaries Mm -hmm. of like that it's not black and white. It's it's what what is in us in our blood like it's what's deep it's yeah pretty scary yeah stuff yeah i think yeah because there's also no laws with her art it's not like whatever you do there's no consequences there's no like police there to i mean maybe if you like go in there and you know whatever but But theoretically even with that gun on the table right the idea is yeah, I guess here's an open here's let's see what people want to do in this. You know, it would be interesting to see if someone had killed her. Then what happens? Because it's right. part of the art. But like, oh, good. There's the. No, it's cue, fine. cue the lawnmower. Cue the lawnmower. Outside. <laughs> cue the lawnmower. It's fine. I didn't even know I had lawnmower people. Yeah. Anyway, I have a gardener now. Oh, great. Look <laughs> at you. You're moving on. Look at me. Yeah. Um, uh, I just want to add one last thing about her that was interesting, too. Uh that I think is very applicable to the Art of Difficult Women podcast. And this is also maybe what you were partly alluding to with the alt-right hating her. Uh, So it came out recently that she had said, um, I've had abortions for my art. Mm. And it was interpreted to mean that as an art installation or something, she had abortions. And then she clarified it and was like, no, no, assholes. (laughs) She was like, I had abortions because I got pregnant. (laughs) And I... To be able to continue to be an artist, I had to have an abortion. Mm. And that was my choice. And I'm allowed to have that choice. Just like if you were a doctor or something and you're like, I love my career and I don't have time for a baby. I'm going to have an abortion. So it's just I love how they twisted it into being like, see, she's like using abortion in her art. And she's like, no, I just had an abortion like a regular person because I realized like I don't I'm not I'm not ready to have a child and I'm not looking to have a child. Mm-hmm. But they people love to, you know, they want to turn her into this monster. Like, oh. Well, yeah. I mean, you Google her now and there's just so much hate towards her because of, you know, how they're just trying to label her. And she just seems yeah. like a, a magical, wonderful woman. Well, because she's also just like, again, like even with the media coming at her and all these articles and like the alt-right saying that she's a Satanist and stuff. She's probably just like just standing there. Yeah. Just well, this woman has been through so much pain and she's even put herself through a lot of pain where she's like you said earlier about the meditation. She like has overcome it, Mm -hmm. you know, so when people are super like reactionary to things, right, it's because they're full of pain and you're pushing their pain Mm -hmm. button. You can't push her pain button anymore. She pushed hers already to the point Mm -hmm. to the brink. She's at peace Mm -hmm. with herself. She's at peace. Right. Right. She's amazing. Y'all I wonder what meditation movies. app she does. <laughs> well, actually, did you see that Lady Gaga went to study her meditation yes, styles? I did see that. And she said Lady Gaga was a great student because she didn't oh cheat. So she, oh, wow. whenever she said you need to go to this level, Lady Gaga went all the way. Wow. Yeah. I don't go know Gaga. what those things were, but. <laughs> I also read that she had a partner and when they broke up, 
they both went to the opposite sides of the Great Wall of China and spent months walking the wall and then met in the middle and said goodbye. That's their breakup. That was how they did that. Huh? Could you imagine? Love that. What's cool about that too is it gives you time to think about the relationship. Yeah, a couple months couple months and then you're like bye what if you were like no but what if you were like but they were like bye and then you were like wait wait i've been thinking of the you know months and yeah, you know that's it just what a uh yeah i don't know can't even get a guy to meet me in the park you know what i mean yeah <laughs> let alone but then but you really want to walk like months to then break up with you <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna break up with me you have to walk the whole wall of china that would be <laughs> maybe that was part high of the standards idea. my yeah. standards are high i have high standards i like people that, that can walk <laughs> or, or i don't walk. want people to walk anyway i don't know <laughs> well uh, badass all these women are super, super badass. badass it's just really totally and i relate yeah Not and i feel like i'm so badass but i you I'm are inspired. badass katie yeah I'm no inspired. it's just I, yeah i just think it's so these lawnmowers what's so neat about them is that they're just unapologetically themselves yes like not letting society dictate who they are what are it's like it's all coming i mean with frida she's like lying in her bed dying painting painting art that has to be shared with who you know that's what i love about artists visual painters and, yeah and and performance but just like well i think that like that's one thing i you know, there's this level of like, don't give a fuckedness about these ladies. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that I feel like when I think about, I mean, what we do with the band is kind of like performance art. We've certainly been accused of performance been, uh, art. Told, you're so brave. That's <laughs> but, so brave what you do. Yeah. Thank you. But it's All true right. in the sense that like, there is a level of like, I don't give a fuck what you think about this. Yeah. This is what I have to say. Yeah. It's actually just for, I mean, it, really, we write this for us. Absolutely for us. And, to, like, and we're just so lucky that have the a voice. Yeah. masses also enjoy it yeah. as well. But So I'm into it. I hope you guys were inspired by these ladies too. Um, I think. And if you're an art, if you're, if there's an inner artist in you trying to get out, like, fuck it. Fuck it and just do it. Yeah. Make your art and don't worry about what other people think. These bitches certainly didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? And aspire to be fully human. I think that like yes. in this world where we're so dominated by like, do they like me and like, oh, money and like all these things and like, bl- let that go a little bit. You know, if, if you can learn mm-hmm. anything from Marina Abramovic, it's let some of that go and just mm-hmm. um, be present. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have a chamber pot. Totally. Oh, my God. I'm going to carry one around now. I know. I want one. It's my new personality. <laughs> I'm peeing right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have a chamber pot. It just ruined my chair. It's fine. Uh, well, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, if you haven't, like us, ri- rate us, review us, tell a friend, all the all the stuff. Yeah. We're on Patreon. Do that. Um, anything else you want to add? We love you. Be nice to each other. <laughs> When, when given the opportunity, don't cut someone. Give them a rose instead. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's right. It's romantic. All right. Happy Women's History Month. Bye.